0: News. 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 New, 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 news. new York City. The FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting <laughs> by the minute. FAQ.
1: It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkist podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, The City. I'm Katie Honan here with Professor Christina Greer and Harry Siegel. Hey guys. Hello there. Morning. Good morning, everyone. Harry will be running down just some of the mostly depressing news from another jam packed week in New York City.
0: Four people were killed and two others critically injured early Tuesday morning in the city's latest fire caused by the e-bikes delivery workers have come to rely on. This one apparently started in the HQ e-bike repair store of Madison in Manhattan's, Chinatown. Staying with what I'm afraid is a parade of horribles, three unleashed pit bulls and their knife-wielding owner attacked Eli, a 14-year-old pit bull German shepherd rescue, in Central Park on Saturday, as Eli and Eli's companion dog, a littleer one, were being walked on their leashes, and Eli then had to be uh, euthanized after this attack. 32-year-old Tavon Silver, a gay man, come to New York City and he'd survived a stabbing on a train in the Bronx last June, was stabbed to death this June, early Saturday morning, on a train in Manhattan, with 33-year-old Claude White, a homeless New Yorker with a long arrest record, arrested again for this on Monday. That was the sixth homicide in the transit system so far this year, to go with 11 last year and seven each in 2020 and 2021. Prior to the pandemic, there had not been more than two homicides in any year this century. Early primary voting started on Saturday. Sounds good, but so far, fewer than 15,000 New Yorkers have cast their ballots through Monday. And what may or may not be an election about nothing, it certainly is on my ballot in Brooklyn, uh, but is definitely on track to be an election with basically no voters. Remember, you can help change that dynamic. Go to findmypollsite.vote.nyc to view what's on your ballot, find your early voting site, an hours through this Sunday, as well as your election day site, an hours for next Tuesday. And you can Google City Council Voting Guide at uh, thecity.nyc. Uh, If you want to find out more about whatever council races may be on your ballot. Finally, and speaking of elections and consequences, the Times had a big profile of, quote, the fiercely loyal Adams advisor agitating from inside City Hall and saying her leadership style and ethics have raised questions in that passive voice, Millie Mouth Times fashion. Um, It's a good piece. It's about Ingrid Lewis Martin, who's the second most powerful person in New York City government, according to the piece, and in fact, uh, and is one of the reasons why Eric Adams keeps talking about God in increasingly wild ways and what he says God has told him to tell New Yorkers. Uh, Chrissy, we talked about some of this last week, just, just how things are shaping out in this administration and who really has a uh, power there, which doesn't seem to exactly align with the org charts. Um such as they are. Uh, and Katie, you cover this administration. You, you just want to jump in and say a bit about how things are working here, about Lewis Martin, and how this administration is functioning and getting covered?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I thought the piece was really interesting because, um, you know, there was a city and state profile. For the first year of, of the Adams administration, Ingrid was really kind of a low key person. sitting and state, this really great profile where I think her quote was, you know, I'm not Michelle Obama. When, when they go low, I drill for oil. Um, and the Times. Piece really, you know, obviously broadened that and, and talked about her influence. We found out that it was Ingrid who was behind the shutting, you know, the the, the ending of this open street in Fort Greene, um, at least according to their reports. I think, look, it it makes total sense. That but Eric Adam, Adams then
0: reversed, by the way. That
1: he rever- right? But I think you know she's been very vocally against congestion pricing. She's open, you know. I, I think she doesn't play by the political rules, which is in a way refreshing to some degree. Like, you know, she strikes me as like a real. New Yorker, right? And I, that, I, I, let me back that up because I think that could be weaponized by, uh, I don't want to be an obnoxious, like, native, you know, because I hate when that's people's only personality. But she mm-hmm. reminds me of people like I went to high school with, where they're just really loyal, really tough. They don't really, you know, a lot of politicians, they flip flop on things, they say different things to different people depending on who they're talking to. And I don't think Ingrid does that, you know. Um, she very proudly talks about how she hasn't taken the subway or a bus in 40 years. And, um, I have a one funny story. I was talking to someone in the Adams administration, you know, trying to talk to them about something in his office and Ingrid came in and then starts just bashing the press in a kind of funny way. And they were like, Ingrid, you know, that Katie is a reporter. And she said, Oh, what? I thought she worked for us. She was always in city hall, which is like, if you ever think you're like a hot shit reporter. And the fact that like a top person, in the Adams association doesn't know who you are and actually thinks you work for her. That actually is like pretty funny. Um, But, you know, she's she's always friendly when when we see her and stuff. But, yeah, it it was a very good profile. I like the detail where she was sitting down for interviews until they started asking her about her behavior and then she stopped it and switched to written um, responses. But look, this is this is Mayor Adams. He. As he always says, he's a blue collar guy, he's a blue collar mayor. Um, even though he always incorrectly says he's the only mayor who worked for the city, like Bill De was public advocate, there's all these other examples of people who worked for the city. But he's very loyal, and I think he surrounds himself with people who are loyal to him. And if anyone, I think, would ever like fall in the sword for Mayor Eric Adams, it would be Ingrid.
0: let me ask. This comes up briefly in the profile, right? That she'd push for these uh, people to join the administration like ministers who really don't like uh, gay marriage. And this led to a lot of uh, uproar and backlash. That's interesting and mostly symbolic, right? It's like uh, the issue with the Adams administration has not been any action it's taken that I've seen largely from from the LGBTQ advocacy universe. It's some of the people who are hired for, for these roles. Mm-hmm. And that seems to have come directly out of Ingrid. And as Adams has embraced like a a certain black church tradition that like a lot of church traditions has real ambivalence Mm -hmm. about um, about gay folks. Uh, I'm just curious what you uh, make of that and how Adams and his team is navigating all this and talking about God.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. so first of all, I feel like we're we're teetering on like Amy Goodman, Democracy Now! Depression as podcast, you know, when you listen to Democracy Now! It's like, Seven million people have been murdered. <laughs> There's a typhoon coming <laughs> exactly for New York City. <laughs> <There> <laughs> the the be, earth is on fire. Well, All hurricane the season already started,
1: Chrissy. We're already up to yeah. the seas in the hurricanes. Know, but and yesterday, like, Janice Huff said that the water temperature, where this hurricane, this tropical storm is, 1 billion is like 100 degrees. degrees.
0: <laughs>
2: Everyone is going to die
0: tomorrow. Cold I mean it's like, I, the script is so dark because I had a lovely weekend <laughs> in the sun, offline, with children, and then had to put the script together rapidly in a week in which not all that much happened in New York. The right. assembly is back for a meaningless session in which possibly they'll let New York lower its own speed limit, right? And and thus, in reading the tabloids on the trains, you end up, which is its own issue, like with this parade of horribles. Here are seven right. nightmarish things that happened in New York. Botted lanterns are going to eat your family. They
1: are. I saw them the <laughs> <then>. They're back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so...
2: I determine? hope I hope Amy Goodman does not listen to this podcast, um, but that's my tribute to Amy Goodman. Um, so here's the deal: there's a lot that seems like it's on fire. But to Katie's point about the Adams administration, I think you know when Adams came to office, he was you know sort of very clear that he supports the LGBTQ plus community. But I think we're at this moment now where it's like, well, when, what does that look like? Because it can't be flag waving and you know, parade marching, but then your hires don't reflect what you're saying. So your hires are people who not just are ambivalent, are just downright antagonistic against the LGBTQ plus community. So, you know, obviously a lot of blame is always put on the black church. I'm like, easy killer, like as if black people are the only homophobes, like, where do you think we get it? Um, So I think that there are a lot of communities um, who have really antagonistic thoughts to towards LGBTQ plus uh, New Yorkers. And I think it's a hard conversation that we need to have that I think a lot of communities have been trying to have about the role of the church. And there are some churches that are very welcoming, you know, it's very evident by not just the flags outside, but what their pastors say. And I'm thinking about like FCBC to a certain extent, uh, you know, and sort of this, this larger conversation that they're trying to say, like all are welcome. And then... You have a lot of, you know, religious people or people who, you know, are cloaked in religion, allegedly, um, who are really antagonistic towards um, LGBTQ plus members, which further complicates it because Eric Adams is now getting into, you know, God told me to be here. God told me to say this. God told me to do this. So we have this confluence of a mayor who has this unique brand of religiosity dare I say, cherry picking religiosity, but also, you know, as someone who, sl- who suffers from slight narcissism herself, like, you know, just slight, just a touch. It's a pinch. Um, but I think that this mayor has, uh, dare I say, a healthy, possibly an uncomfortable amount of narcissism, as do all elected officials, at, to be fair. Like, who the hell wakes up in the morning and is like, I should lead Like With what skills? I don't know, but I should do it. Um, Because that's how everyone gets their first start. So good for them. But I think this particular mayor, because he's leaning into the, you know, God told me to run. God wants me to do this policy. You know, God is speaking to me and through me for the 9 million New Yorkers. This is where it can get really complicated and uncomfortable for someone like me, who's like, well, did God tell you to hire these homophobes? Like, you know, this loyal, you know, I have issues. I am a loyal friend. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a ride or die friend. I'm a cancer. Um, But I do think in a political setting, it's like, sometimes you got to cut this dead weight. And like, I don't think that some of the people that Eric Adams surrounds himself with will do him well in the long run. I think that he has some antiquated friends. And so like Katie, when you say like, you know, certain people feel like kind of New York or old school New York, which is great. You know, I love all the new accents that we're hearing, you know, whatever it may be, but like some of these cats have like old world thinking. And it's like, we, I don't want a 21st century mayor with people around him who have like these 20th century thoughts on particular communities.
1: Yeah, you're right. I don't mean to say like because of there's no, 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 goodness. Yeah, I know that's
2: not what you were saying, but you know, like I think that there is something, you know, I always tease Harry, like, you know, Harry's got like a damn near Charlie Wrangle accent, right? Like, you know, there's certain (laughs) things that like, are really charming about this city because we are a living organism and we keep changing and new people come in and, and you know, folks leave and say, like, oh, we're losing millionaires. It's like, whatever. We just created 10,000 new ones. So who cares? Um, I like the fact that we are constantly evolving and changing as a city. But when it comes to city leadership, I want to make sure, sure, I want to have like diverse thought in city leadership, but I actually don't want people there who don't want immigrants here i don't want people in city leadership who don't believe that lgbtq plus people should have every all the same rights and privileges as every other new yorker like i don't mind diversity of thought i an i'm an academic i'm an intellect. but i do think that eric adams is fine hanging out with some people who i would say veer on hate thought or hate yeah. speech
0: and then the question is if he's governing according to what you have to as a democratic mayor in new york in terms of finding shelter for migrants, in terms of not having any policies that I'm aware of that have been considered hostile to the the LGBTQ plus community, but having people around uh, who, who are comfortable bringing in other people who are uh, hostile to all this. And by the way, the hostility to immigrants in this Times profile, you know, um, um, Louis Martin is talking about how, you know, the, they speak Spanish already. Why can't these people just stay in Mexico? So that that's sort of an interesting challenge. And Adam's on Father's Day, right? He's at uh, Lenox Road Baptist Church in Brooklyn. And he says, 30-something years ago, I wake up out of my sleep in a cold sweat. God spoke to my heart and said, You were going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. God stated, Adams continues, you cannot be silent. You must tell everybody you know. I go around the city and tell everybody I'm going to be mayor January 1st, 2022. People used to think I was on medication. It's it's an interesting story to be telling in 2023. Uh, I do not recall advertisements. Uh, I do not recall... Adams talking to people about this. I don't recall hearing about this. I know I'm going to be mayor and I know when I'm going to be mayor. And I used to think Bill de Blasio, you know, got high on his own supply after winning, but this is remarkable. If it's totally sincere and Adams is saying, I'm on a mission from God, that's pretty wild. If this is a way of speaking a part of his base and it's not sincere, that in its own way is wild, but you can feel, I think this mayor testing the, uh, the bounds, Maybe because he feels very strong in his position, maybe because as people have been whispering to me, he's actually, maybe he's weak and he's going to get challenged. And even though it looks like he has a strong base, you know, he can't get anything done with uh, with Albany or with the council. Uh, the finances aren't good. We'll see. I, I really don't know, but I, I, it's very disconcerting to have a mayor putting this out this way. And I know the part of it is to get like crazy people as he sees it on the left to over counter and say no one no mayor should ever say the word god and then he can attack that instead of responding to what he's saying but what he's saying is pretty damn wild and for someone who's talking about it all the time I, I i mean when was he talking about it this is some weird retconning
2: but we've talked about this before right i mean this is where Ad- eric adams sort of gets the press to run to the you know to this corner to follow some some statement that he's made and then He's over in the other corner doing some wild shit. Where it's like, you remember when we were talking about he's, he's with the clergy thing, you know, mm-hmm. there should be prayer in schools. And it's like, well, that story was a week and a half and we weren't talking about Rikers. We weren't talking about, you know, all the things that were going on that particular week with him defunding this or, you know, deaths in, in, um, for incarcerated individuals who haven't even been tried. So I think that, you know, we sort of need to look alive with this particular mayor, but I want to double back really quickly. I don't want to live in the past, but I did read that Bill de Blasio piece in New York Magazine and my disdain for this man continues to grow. Like I was, I was fine with sort of like, you know, whatever you kind of left us for six years but you know we're fine like relatively speaking but I just felt like after reading that I was like shutting up is free and I know you feel like you want to talk because you want to think about your legacy and reflect but I was like I feel like you actually haven't really reflected you're still deflecting and until you can kind of come with your chest out and apologize to New York for being wholly disinterested in governance for six years. I don't think that you need to be doing interviews. Yeah, you're sort of like, I was reflecting and like, why would they have me hold a groundhog? Like, that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fact that like, you weren't here for six years. Like, you weren't interested in governance. And then you have the unmitigated gall and audacity, which is at a full-time high, to run for Congress when you haven't even been here. So that's another thing. And then when you try and name check your uh, community affairs commissioner, and I was like, like, have some of your own decency, courage, gravitas, bravery, whatever it's called. It's like, if you made a call, made a call. Don't try and sort of say like, you know, oh, uh, well, it wasn't really me. I just got a call that said things were violent. So, you know, I kind of, dude, you're the mayor. Like- Put some bass in your voice. Everything starts and stops with you. So, like, I just felt like. Right,
0: take take we, one second here and just, <coughs> just say what that was about. For those who have not read the New Yorker profile.
2: Oh, sorry. The Y'all do mag- need to read. Aren't you in my mind? May, there was a New York Magazine profile on Bill de Blasio and he was sort of reflecting on, you know, like the Q&A, summer, actually. The summer it, of yeah. reckoning. Yes. Edited for hey. clarity. I was like, mm, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> but it was, the you know in reference to uh, 2020 and like the Summer of Reckoning and some of the protests. And I just felt like there was some deflection there and sort of saying, it was like, well, my, you know, my community affairs commissioner said this. So like, I just, you know, I went on what he said. I was like, but you're the mayor. Like, what? Like, I didn't even understand what that paragraph was about. Like, it just felt like a quintessential Bill de Blasio response where you're constantly trying to pass the buck and sort of put it on someone else. And I'm like, what does leadership look like for you? I really wish... Um, I, I'm blanking on who interviewed him, but I was like, I really, I wanted some other, some different questions such as what does leadership look like to you? What do you think your leadership style is? Cause I guarantee you what he's saying and what I believe are going to be two totally different things. It's going to be like a polar bear and a bird, right? So I have a deep disdain for people who come back to the public too soon to be like, oh, I've thought about this. He's, he's like John Morant, basically. I had eight days and eight games. And like, I'm back, I'm good. It's like, no, you're not. You actually have not thought about your leadership. And like, yes, it's New York City. Yes, it's the hardest job in the world. We get it. All right, fine. But you signed up for it twice, by the way. And you're just, you were so, you were such an absentee landlord. I'm like, how dare you come and do this interview right now and sort of say like, oh, I've thought about it. You actually haven't thought about it. Because if you had, you wouldn't be getting these BS answers to these, dare I say, softball questions. And really have no accountability for the role that you played or didn't play in like the, the unmoored ship that you let set adrift for six years. Chrissy, I... I don't have I strong it, thoughts
1: on this. I take it you will not be donating to the Bill de Blasio Legal Defense Fund because mm-hmm. in other Bill de Blasio news last week, the Conflict of Interest Board uh, announced that they are going to try to make Bill de Blasio pay the 329000 or so for his police detail that he used when he was running for president and then an additional fine. Of it all comes up to about $500,000. So Mm -hmm. I take it you're on top of the
0: million. On top of the million, because he still owes to Kramer Levin, his lawyers, who were also the lobbyists, who are like, we're going to charge him eventually, but we haven't done it yet. Which is maybe why he ran for Congress in the first place to get public funds to pass off to friends. Like it's, hey Bill, Bill, I interviewed you once. You never spoke to me again. It was actually, I think. Said this well. You never interviewed me publicly. I've said this to you: the queerest distillation of your leadership philosophy that was ever presented. I also said you were a a crook and a ridiculous guy, and you decided not to speak again. But you do have a standing invitation to come on this podcast and set us straight. And if you are in fact a reflective person and a genuine New Yorker who's looking to do these things, honest to God, I've well, interviewed something, you. Something about be you, respectful. Harry, come on,
2: May- mayors don't like Harry. <laughs> whatever it is, Harry. I don't know what you're putting in the water, but mayors do really lucky. Like but whatever, it doesn't matter because Katie and Chrissy love you. Um, yeah, I mean, the, Bill de Blasio to me is just, you know, in our secret black people meetings, we always talk about like, oh, this man, he's just so lucky because if he were a black mayor, it would have gone totally differently for him. Like, absolutely. It's just, he drinks lucky juice by the gallons. Good for him, you know? But I, I really do think that It's just, it was such a failed possibility. There were some really great ideas that he campaigned on in 2013. And he just, he dropped the ball. I mean, he's just, I don't, I don't know if it's just laziness or disinterest or ambition that was unfocused. I don't know, but I'm, I'm still, I don't have patience or grace for people who ask for a job and then don't do it. Oh, P.S., by the way, I saw Bill Thompson on the subway the other day. (laughs) How was he? I didn't speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I was sort of like, why is Bill de Blasio in the news twice last week? My favorite part of that Q&A in New York Magazine was... He brings up Roots, the miniseries, the famous miniseries. Oh and my! God. And, the, and the reporter was like, "No, I've never seen it." And then the mayor is like, "The production quality is a little dated." It's like, "Are you really out here like criticizing yeah, the production yeah, you quality of Roots?" Yes, but white they man. Yes, 4K, you are. They didn't yes, have four K cameras back then. I just—it was so funny because it was such a minor part of it. I'm like, it was so Bill De Blasio to recommend watching Roots, but then he yeah. kind of low key insults it. Well, it. well, okay, so that like in our secret black people meetings, again, it's like
2: it. So you're you're sort of virtue signaling, like I watched Roots <laughs> about the Negro experience. You haven't seen it, Katie. You really should. And then it's like, <laughs> but it's not that good, Loki. Like, what? <laughs> First of all, it was it's almost 50 years old. And you know, it's a miracle that it was even made. If you read about how Alex Haley sort of was able to even put this together. Considering this country is ahistoric and we refuse to recognize U.S. chattel slavery on our land, but sure, Bill De Blasio. I just thought that that was such a a non sequitur slash quintessential Bill De Blasio thing to say.
1: Yeah, it was my favorite. It was my favorite part. Um, Yeah, it was just a lot of uh, we have trouble with our old mayors and our and our new mayors, Uh, issues like that. I'm wondering, do we need
2: like a mayor and kind of like a you know, like there's every now and again, I'll do like the fantasy conversation of, do we need like a president and a prime minister? Like one person who does policy and one person who does like ribbon cuttings and, you know, flying all around and making the You mean like a public advocate love. and
1: a mayor? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. My bad. My bad. I realized maybe we do have, it. but I mean, someone who's just like ceremonial and not supposed to be adversarial, but I guess Yeah, I guess maybe we need to have an episode because I am thoroughly confused about the role of the public advocate, I have
0: to say. We're going to save the nightlife mayor, who at present is also the mayor-mayor, for another episode. I did want to ask, Just speaking of of people's styles and what is and isn't worth paying attention to, this irked me. Uh, Tuesday before last, Eric Adams gets asked, uh, you know, an oppressor, um, are you going to have a, a migrant stay at your house? Your house is not further specified. And he responds, it's funny you should ask. I was just talking with my staff about having a family. And then he says families in the same answer. So who knows? But at least one stay in a Gracie Mansion. I'll get back to you on this. Then he doesn't say anything for nine days. He gets asked again uh, following Thursday. You know, so last Thursday for this podcast. And he said, uh, yeah, um, uh, I can't can't, can't do that. I check with legal. And then the first answer, he says, I'm a general I don't send my troops where I won't. I'm leading from the front. That's how this is. And then in the second one, when he's saying, actually, I'm not going to do this thing at all, he says, I'm a general, I'm leading from the front. That's how it is. The words are not totally coherent. This happens in press conference answers. But he gives the same rap about how the thing he just said he was bravely doing, he's not doing. But that still shows how brave he is because he talked about doing it. And sometimes, as per the president prime minister, the mayor has to be his own symbol, even if he's not doing the thing. And forget about his properties in Brooklyn jersey or whatever i just found that so confusing and distressing and talking about these politicians sort of being stuck on glitch and loop no matter what happens it's uh i'm doing a thing and i'm brave i'm not doing the thing and and i'm brave for that and and i do think this is one of the reasons he's had trouble having people outside of like ingrid and the inner circle hanging around and a ton of turnover is if you just make stuff up with pressers And say, I'm going to make this happen, and then ask everyone, is there any way to make this happen? And then you find out there's not, and say, I was just kidding. That's a really difficult, dangerous way to govern. And I feel like we've had a fair amount of that with this administration, in part because Adams is a real New York guy, in ways I like, who likes going around, who likes talking, who likes jousting with the press. But it means he says stuff he doesn't really mean, like all the time. Does this matter? I'm stuck on this.
1: Yeah, I mean he he says that he doesn't check, he doesn't check before, he doesn't see if it's it's viable. I mean, the fact that you're it's like further proof you maybe don't live in Gracie Mansion if you're offering up multiple families mm-hmm. to live there. Um it's what he does. He's he says stuff and then his administration, his spokespeople have to kind of backtrack it. And then they get mad at us for reporting what the mayor said. <laughs> you know, how could you report reported what the mayor said? It actually wasn't true or correct. Um
0: Chrissy, am I taking the bait here? You talk a lot about how Adams will sort of distract us by talking about things when these other things are happening.
2: Yeah, I mean, this mayor is, and I've gotten a lot of pushback on this from people who listen to the pod. They're like, you know, you're so kind to him. You think he's so smart. I do think he's so smart. What actually makes me smart is that I recognize when people are smarter than me. (laughs) And I think this man knows the city better than most of us. Mm-hmm. I do. I think, as I said before, I put him in the top 10 New Yorkers of people who know the city 10 people out of 9 million. Right. So I do think that the press corps needs to be a little bit more on it when he says things and double downs on them. It's like, I don't, I don't know if he really believe it. It doesn't matter. It's like he throws up a flare and we all look at it yeah. and he gets to do something in the opposite direction. I mean, this is the conversation I always have with myself because, you know, I love LBJ. I talked to Phil Walzak about this a lot. He knows how much I love LBJ. He's a big Teddy Roosevelt fan. I am not. We have like presidential wars. I think these are important discussions to have, right? Um, I don't like Teddy Roosevelt for a host of reasons, but you know, I think he's like a genocidal maniac. However, LBJ, you, know, you talk to certain people, I hate him, right? I mean, lots of people don't like him because of the Vietnam War. I obviously care that he signed Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, Immigration Act, Housing Act. Like there are a lot of things that I like about this man. But the question always becomes when we talk about like presidents, it's like, was LBJ still a racist in his heart when he died? I don't know. I don't care. He did what I needed him to do and he signed this this legislation. So with Eric Adams, it's like, do we know what's in Eric Adams' heart? I don't know. I really don't care as long as he sort of puts forward policy that like I think moves New York forward because we'll never know what's in these men's hearts. If they have hearts, who knows, who cares? So I think that, you know, that part, to me, it's kind of a futile discussion. It's like, what does Eric Adams really think? It's like, Eric Adams is a survivalist. This man has gone from beat cop to mayor of New York City. So I'm sure his heart's desires change quite a bit. And I think as we get closer to 2025, we're going to see lots of evolution. We're going to see him take on new friends that we might be aghast at. And we're going to see him throw friends under said bus if necessary. That's just like, he's loyal. But as you know, white liberals always say, "I'm loyal to a point, right?" And it's like he's not going to be loyal to a point. He will be loyal to a point until it doesn't serve him anymore. And that's what we should focus on, and not get distracted by a man who understands this city and has a lot of wildness around. It. I mean, it's it's quasi Trump esque, where it's like we have all this wildness and these like little wildfires that are all over, and so we're constantly like chasing these little wildfires, and it's like. He's just hacking a path towards the direction that he wants while we're like running around with our hair on fire. Like, oh my goodness, he said this, he did this. He hired this person. This person said that. And it's like, right, these are important conversations to have, but I think it's really important to like keep our eye on like the larger ball. Like he said these things, but where is he now? What is he doing? What is he not talking about when we're obsessing over this one thing that he keeps like throwing little meat at us to like scurrying around, on, scurry around and, and think about?
1: Yeah, on that note, we could uh, spend the next week trying to look inside men's hearts and to see what's If in them. we look
2: inside their hearts, <laughs> we'll find that all men have no hearts. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, everybody. <laughs>
1: Happy Bladed Juneteenth.
2: Uh, oh, right. Thanks. <laughs> I want people to stop killing us on the street. Here's a federal holiday where Black people still have to work. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I have some thoughts on Juneteenth. I have some thoughts.
1: F-A-Q. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of The City, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners like you. Go to thecity.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We're an affiliate of NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research, and a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at Popula.com. Our hosts this episode were Chrissy Greer, Harry Siegel, and me, Katie Honan. Harry is also our executive producer. Adam Kamara is our engineer. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, and we'll be back soon with more.